0: This podcast is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, award-winning wealth managers who go above and beyond to support and guide you. Visit candowealth.com to start building your wealth with confidence.
1: Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Isabel Hardman and this is the Sunday Roundup. Mounting dissatisfaction with Boris Johnson's leadership came to a head last Monday, when he survived a vote of confidence amongst Conservative MPs by 211 votes to 148. According to the party's rules, his position is now safe for a whole year, at least in theory. The Northern Ireland Secretary, Brandon Lewis, spoke to Sophie Raworth about last week's result. So 41% of Tory
2: MPs have told the, MP, told, uh, the Prime Minister that he is not fit to be Prime Minister, they want him gone. If 41% of your own staff said that about you, how would you feel?
3: Uh, well, look, we're, as a Conservative Party, we're a big, wide, open tent. I think, actually, if you look at the result, the Prime Minister actually secured uh, more votes than he got, even at the time he won the leadership. And one of the benefits of the Conservative Party, you say I used to be chairman, I've, something I know well is we are a very big, wide and open tent, which means you have different people with different views. But at the end of the day, we're Democrats. We had the vote. Prime Minister's had that vote of confidence, and he's going to get on with the job.
2: He has called it a convincing victory, a decisive result. If you lose both these by-elections, which are coming up the week after next, do you think that the Prime Minister will face another confidence vote?
3: Uh, No, at two levels. One is I'm not convinced. I think there's a chance we could do better in these by-elections than people think. Of course, we've got a prime minister who is one of the only prime ministers in history to actually win a by-election from the opposition whilst in government. Um, So I think we've got a pretty good record. Now, usually governments don't do very well in by-elections. It's a difficult period when you're halfway through a parliament. We've got to be practical and realistic about that. But I think the party's had a vote. It comes together now and we focus on issues united behind the Prime Minister.
2: He's a man of history, though, isn't he? Boris Johnson likes his history. He will know better than anyone else, really. Theresa May won a, a confidence vote. Margaret Thatcher won a confidence vote. Both were forced out within the next 12 months or so. John Major won a confidence vote. He went on to fight an election, but he was trounced at the next election. What makes you think that Boris Johnson can achieve what they couldn't?
3: Oh, a couple of things. Look, first of all, uh, in 2011, people said he couldn't win the uh, re elections of the Mayor of London. And less than a year later, he did. In the run-up to 2019, people said we couldn't people thought we were going to lose the general election. And Boris Johnson as Prime Minister secured the biggest vote for us, arguably in terms of our majority, than we've seen since the days of Margaret Thatcher. So the Prime Minister is somebody who continually goes into elections and does very, very well. Because he's focused on the issues that I think people want to see us focus on, and he'll continue to do that
1: with asked Lewis about how the government would ensure the cut in fuel duty would be passed on to motorists at the petrol pumps.
2: Let's look at something that is affecting people right now, the prices <coughs> at the petrol pumps. And that is one of the most obvious signs of the, the, rising, fuel, the rising bills that people are having to deal with. £100 to fill, or more than £100 to fill the average uh, family car this week. Why don't you cut fuel duty further now?
3: Well, uh, obviously, the, uh, as I think you recognised earlier on, the Chancellor has put the fuel duty cut in, and we've had many years, obviously, fuel duty freezes as well. So we do what we can to support people. I think that's why it's right that the Chancellor, the Business Secretary, and as, the, as Grant Shapps has outlined today, we've asked the uh, authority now, the the, the uh, market authority to have a look at this, to make sure, do a quick review, a proper review, but quickly, to see why and how this money is being passed on to customers. We want to see this reduction being passed on to the pump so people can benefit from that, because that's worth a few hundred pounds a year to the average working family. We've got to make sure it's being passed on. And once we get the review of that... Then it will be right to look at what more, if we need to, we can do to help people to make sure it's actually getting to where we want to see that. Support. But people
2: need the help now, don't they? And actually, the government is getting more money in now than before you, uh, because of before when the, when you made the five uh, p duty cut. Because prices are rising so quickly, why not cut it by by Why not bring in a fuel stabilizer and just give people some certainty?
3: yeah It's a very fair challenge, and and as I say, we all want to see lower taxes. And I know people are are challenged with the not just at the fuel pump for cars, but actually on energy more generally. My part of the world in Norfolk, a lot of people are on oil-fired central heating, and they've seen those prices rise as well. We want to support that, but as I say, we've got to do that in a sensible, fiscally sensible way to make sure we're getting it right. It's also why it is right—the chance of one to see this review done to make sure that any action we do take does get passed on to people and that people get the benefit of it, but we're also at the same time of course incentivising business to invest because that's how we get more productivity and create more jobs and more energy security in the future. It is a difficult complicated balance that I think the Chancellor is working to ensure we get right.
1: Rayworth also asked Lewis about the strike action planned by staff at Network Rail and the London Underground later this month. These are expected to be the largest such industrial action on the railways since 1989.
2: What about the rail strikes which are uh, facing the country (coughs) a week on Tuesday, the first one, three in a row, which will basically bring the rail network to a halt Mm. for a week? Can they be stopped?
3: Uh, Well, look, we don't want want to see the rail strikes happen at all. And I think it's disappointing we're not seeing Labour condemn these strikes. We've got a situation where that is going to be detrimental and put further pressure on working people, and actually not just working people, but people trying to get to hospital appointments, getting children to school. Um, we've got to b- b- do everything we can to ensure that we keep a level of service in the railways that mean also we don't put more people off using the railways. We want to see more railway use. The railway uh, teams there discouraging that by creating strikes is going to make life even harder for the railways in the future. So,
2: are you going to go ahead and repeal this legal ban on bringing in agency workers so that in future? it won't work for this strike, but in future you can get in workers, agency workers, to cover striking staff. Is that what you're going to do?
3: Well, look, the Transport Secretary, Grant Shapps, has outlined, is not taking anything off the table. He wants to have a look at everything that we can possibly do to support the rail industry and support people who want to use the railways to be able to function and to get to work. We've got a situation at the moment where I think the median salary in the, in the railway sector is about £46,000 a year already, let alone what they're asking for as an increase, against an average wage in this country of closer to £26,000. So it's a very well-rewarded sector anyway, And I think it is important that we are looking at everything we can do to keep the railways working.
2: But you would consider changing the law so that you could bring agency workers in to replace striking staff?
3: Well, as I say, the Transport Secretary has said he wants to look at everything. We're going to make sure that railways are run safely and properly, but we've got to do everything we can to ensure they're being run. So we've got to look at every option out there and explore everything we can do as a government to get the support in there to help people get to work, get to school, get to hospital or wherever they need to get to in their everyday lives.
1: Sophie Ridge spoke to the Shadow Chancellor, Rachel Reeves. The government has said it will publish details of new legislation on the Northern Ireland Protocol tomorrow, which it has said is fully compliant with international law. Reeves, however, differed. Well, we haven't
2: seen the legislation yet, but it does look like the government plan to break international law. Now, this government seemed to uh, be developing a record for law-breaking, and it's not one that the Labour Party can support. We helped bring in the Good Friday Agreement. We are deeply, passionately committed to it. We want the Northern Ireland Protocol to work, but we know to uh, to get it to work, we have to negotiate and work with our European partners. Now, Keir Starmer was in Belfast and Dublin last week, uh, talking to leaders, talking to businesses, showing the
1: leadership that frankly is lacking from the Prime Minister today. Ridge also spoke to Mark Sawatka, the leader of the Public and Commercial Services Union. Many of its members worked for the Home Office and she asked him about the union's fight against the government at the High Court to halt plans to settle unsuccessful asylum seekers in Rwanda now of course the pcs union uh, took the unusual action uh, last week of trying to stop the government's plan to send asylum seekers to rwanda you took court action which you lost the judge uh, the judge sorry uh, found in favor uh, of the government to allow that flight to rwanda to uh, go ahead um, are you going to be appealing the decision and do you think that or do you know accept that this flight is going to go ahead on tuesday
0: no we're appealing the decision we're in the high court tomorrow appealing the decision. Um, And as you say, this is an unprecedented step, Sophie, but, but let me explain why we're doing it. We have to test the legality of these proposals, but also we need a debate about the morality and lack of humanity that the government is demonstrating. When people are fleeing from Iraq or Iran or Syria or Yemen, and they come to this country, they are fleeing death, torture and persecution. We should welcome people to this country and treat them civilly and assess their cases when they are here. The fact that people are taking to small boat crossings in the Channel shows how desperate they are. And our members, civil servants, 80% of whom we represent in the Border Force, don't come to work to be asked to turn those boats back mid-Channel, which is what Pretty PrettyPropel demanded that they did two months ago. And I remind viewers, we went to court then, we lost two injunctions, but we would have won the case, which is why the Home Office withdrew its policy. And let's remember what Pretty Patel wanted PCS members to do was to turn dinghy's back mid-channel at risk of death. That was stopped by a legal process. And that's why we're taking legal action now. And we hope we win tomorrow in the Court of Appeal to stop the flight. Okay. But of course, the legality of these proposals will only be tested out at the full court hearing in July. And we're absolutely confident that in July, In line with what the UNHCR said very graphically in court, we believe these proposals will be found to be unlawful.
1: And finally, the Director-General of the CBI, Tony Danker, told Rayworth about his organisation's concerns for the economy. You've been doing a
2: lot of research. You're publishing your own forecast for the economy next year. Give us a sense of what it will all mean for households.
3: Well, I think the truth is households are going to go into recession this year. What do I mean by that? I mean that consumption, spending that we all make uh, in the high streets and on discretionary goods, That is going to go negative already this year. And the only thing really stopping us from having a full-blown recession this year is that at the moment, business investment levels are quite high. The risk is if business investment starts to fall, then the whole country could go into recession sooner than some are predicting, i.e. next year. So I think that's why at the moment there's not a lot you can do about household spending when inflation is this high. But you do need to stabilise confidence amongst firms so that they don't, you know, stop spending too.
1: That's all for this week. I'm Isabel Hardman and this podcast was produced by Matthew Taylor. Don't forget to subscribe to the Coffee House Shots podcast on the iTunes store. And if you enjoyed this podcast, do subscribe to our daily Evening Blend email. It's a free roundup of all the political news each day, along with analysis and a diary on what to expect next. Just go to spectator.co.uk forward slash blend Thanks for listening and do join us again next week.